Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Uh, Dave and I are here excited today to cover uh, MLB playoffs, and obviously this is our first time recording a podcast in a while since the Brewers, uh, no games to cover, so uh, it'll be a little bit of a, of, a, of a difference between this episode and the past episodes that we've had since we don't have games to cover, uh, but we do have a full 2020 season, or a shortened 2020 season to cover, and, and so today we're going to be taking a look at uh, pitcher performance, going through David's grades for each player, or each pitcher, excuse me. Uh, as well as looking at some of the Brewers' team awards, including MVP, Cy Young, and other awards as well. Uh, but really, uh, before we jump into it, I don't know if you have anything else to add, David? No, I, I think it's kind of different. I, I actually, I kind of enjoy making these off-season episodes because we have a little bit more freedom with them. Like, you can cover different stuff that you might not otherwise. So, overall, I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited. Um, and we're covering pitching today, which is a, l- a little bit more exciting than offense. Um, we're, we're great giving grades, so it'd be a lot of C's, D's, and F's if we were covering the position players this week. And we'll get to that next week. I, I think that one will still be just as interesting since even though they were bad, it, we'll, we can kind of see where they can be improved upon, some of the holes to fill over the offseason and things of that nature. Uh, but I am excited to look at the Brewers pitching staff, which was really one of the best in baseball throughout 2020. Yeah, like you said, offense. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that next episode. Um, but this week we'll be covering the pitchers, and, and like I said, uh, it was a bright spot for the Brewers this year. Um, a couple of big bright spots in the rotation, and then the bullpen was really the Brewers' biggest strength once again this year. And that's right, before I forget, as always, we do have our trivia question. Uh, so today's trivia question, who was the last Brewers player to wear the number 64? Uh, so think about that, last Brewers player to uh, don 64 on the uniform. Uh, think about that as we go through the podcast. And we'll be covering the answer to that at the end. And we'll see if we can stump David on that one. Uh, as David's, David's got a, a very thoughtful face right now trying to figure out who that is. So I may, I may have stumped him, but give him maybe 20, 30 minutes. And I feel like he might end up pulling this one out of his back pocket. And, and in addition to the trivia question today, we are going to start a new segment. Uh, maybe not one that we'll do every episode, but just something that we can add uh, during the offseason. Where we're just going to cover our, our, our random brewer of the podcast um, so David will David will be sharing some insight on who that is, um, and give a little background on that uh, for your Brewer fans that have been around a little bit longer. So, uh, but without further ado, uh, let's get into the Brewers' pitchers' grades for the 2020 season. Starting off with newcomer left-handed starter Brett Anderson. Uh, D- uh, Anderson had a pretty good year. David, wh- wh- where did you rank Anderson on his 2020 performance? I gave him a B minus. I thought that he came in and he did what he, he what he really should have done. He of course had that disappointing blister in the last game of the season, and he was unable to pitch in the in the NLDS. He did start on the on the injured list at the start of the year, also, um, but those aren't things that you can dock his grade for really. His performance when he was on the mound was pretty good. A four two one ERA. Um, didn't have that many strikeouts, as expected. Limited the walks. He was overall a guy, I'd say, who took the ball every fifth day and was able to give you five solid innings. Uh, and he he overall, I'd say, I don't know if I'd say impressed, but he he was a guy who who did what he needed to in the rotation. Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly what he did. Uh, I think he did what the Brewers were hoping he would do. 
Uh, so personally, I would I would have probably given him maybe a B, because uh, based on expectations, of course, uh, he did. I think he I think he may have exceeded. I guess he exceeded my expectations for him this year. Um, we did have some health problems, but that was expected. Overall, he he like you said took the ball every five days and kept the Brewers in the game. I don't know, maybe <laughs> Gio Gonzalez esque. Um, where we didn't expect mm-hmm. him to go deep or anything, but just yeah. keep us in the game and really hand the ball over to the bullpen um, and see what the Brewers' bullpen could do. So, yeah, I think Anderson mm-hmm. did have a, a pretty decent year, um, and he was pretty dependable in that rotation uh, for the Brewers this year. So uh, moving on to uh, an arm uh, who had a uh, not not a bad year himself, Corbin Burns. Um I feel like Tom Hodricourt might have gone with a C for Burns this year. <laughs> yeah. Anyone ever notice how Hodricourt always gave like the lowest? Yeah, grades? he was like brutal on guys. Like I, I, I forget. I th- did Braun his MVP year? I, I, I think it might have been an A. <laughs> I, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe it was. Um, if we can re- recall the time that we were probably like eating a bagel at breakfast together, looking at the, yeah. <laughs> the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, Hydrocourt's grades for the Brewers, but I do remember him being extra hard on guys, um, or Yelich last year even. I don't recall what he gave him, uh, but he was he was tough on guys uh, and very rarely gave out um, an A or even A plus. So yeah, Cor- yeah, Corbin Burns is a guy. Who I gave him an A plus. I thought that he really couldn't have done anything more than you expected, outside of maybe that last start where he was not great, but he also came in partially injured. So I don't think that you can really fault him for that. He threw 59 and two thirds innings, had a 2.11 ERA, and at 13 strikeouts per nine, only allowed I think one or two home runs all year. Uh, Corbin Burns, yeah, I see him as a guy who is going to be at the top of the rotation for a number of years alongside Woodruff. Um, so I, I gave him an A+, plus, even though, yeah, I guess he theoretically could have been a little bit better if he made a good start in his last start. But you couldn't really have asked anything further from Burns. Totally agree with that. Of course, of course, nobody's ever going to have a perfect season. Uh, but Burns was, was pretty darn close to it this year. Um, and like you said, exceeded expectations uh, by a landslide. I think if, if he was you know, a solid guy in the rotation in a three or four this year, that would have been a success for Burns and for the Brewers after last year. But uh, the way he blew away expectations this year, yeah, it's he, he's probably, in my opinion, um, I'm excited to see what he can do next year uh, and see what he can build on from this year. Uh, moving over to the bullpen, Alex Claudio uh, back for another year. Uh, kind of a, a middle reliever for the Brewers this year. Uh, trying to bridge the gaps in some games, trying to get to the uh, later parts of the game and hand it over to some of the Brewers' dominant bullpen arms. Where did you grade Alex Claudio for his season this year? I gave Claudio a C plus. I thought that he he was fine. He wasn't great. He had a 4.26 ERA, kind of just a, a run-of-the-mill middle reliever. Uh, we'll see if they choose to bring him back for next year. I think that's kind of up in the air. And I don't know if I'd say I, I, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on the matter, I guess is what I would say as far as that, but he, he did fine. I guess looking closely, maybe I'd change that to a C, but Claudio, I'd say, okay, this year, just kind right. of. Right, right. Nothing, nothing special, just kind of another guy um, through some innings. Well, he wasn't wasn't bad out of the bullpen. Um, relatively dependable, though. Uh, so, yeah, Alex Claudio uh, with a C there from David. Uh, and another lefty out of the pen, uh, Josh Hader. Um, who did who 
I started the year on a hitless streak, um, did have some struggles with command, uh, but where did you see Josh Hader uh, as far as grade this year? I gave Hader a B. He's coming off back-to-back -back NL Reliever of the Year award seasons, so you're going to have sky-high expectations regardless, coming off two seasons where he was probably the best reliever in baseball. Hader, though, like you, like you said, he did start with the hitless streak, uh, but after that, he was a little bit inconsistent. He did have the five-walk outing against Pittsburgh, and that I thought that that kind of swung, uh, swung things. So he had the first half of the season where he was literally unhittable, and then the second half where he was, I'd say, merely an okay reliever. I, I do think that he's better than the season as a whole showed. It's one of the things you get, especially with a relief pitcher. Small sample size, 19 innings. How much can you really draw from that? I thought Hader, though, uh, did did decent. Um, he actually led the National League in saves also, if that counts for anything. So I gave Hader a B. Yeah, solid year from Hader. Not the NL reliever of the year that we've come to expect, but, uh, but still, nonetheless, good year for Josh Hader. Uh, on the other hand, not as much of a good year for Adrian Hauser, who did have, um, I would say, pretty steep expectations um, to be a solid arm in the rotation this year for the Brewers, and, and Hauser was far from that. Struggled all year. Um, surprisingly, uh, I know we talked about this, he did actually make the postseason roster, which we kind of all disagreed with, but nonetheless, Hauser, very rough 2020. Uh, do you have Adrian Hauser uh, passing for 2020? I do. I gave him a D plus. I guess I am a little bit more of a gracious grader. <laughs> um, he had a, an ERA up at about 5.3. I thought that he, yeah, he significantly um, underwhelmed in 2020. Yeah. But I, I do think there were still a few positives. He still was able to sometimes limit damage uh, even when he didn't have his best stuff, which unfortunately was the majority of the season, especially after his first few starts. Uh, but I do think that there are still ways that he can improve. His strikeout rate was pretty low considering that he's got pretty good stuff. So I thought that they, I think that that's something that the Brewers will definitely go to work with, kind of see if they can maybe sort of rebuild him at their pitching lab in Maryvale um, in Arizona. Uh, so I gave Hauser a D plus. Yeah, I, I mean, a rough year for him. Um, still did uh, throw some innings in the bull, in the rotation this year. So I understand the D plus. And I'm not I'm not I'm not thinking Hauser's a lost hope either. I do still expect him to be able to stick in the rotation next year, hopefully in, in at least a four or five role where where he can be dependable um, and more consistent than he was this year. Uh, but we'll see how Hauser's able to rebound after a tough 2020. Uh, another right-handed arm, Josh Lindblom, coming over from overseas. Uh, Brewers signing Lindblom to a multi-year deal. So Lindblom will be back next year. Uh, your thoughts on Lindblom's 2020? I gave him a C plus. He overall was not great, at the, and especially in the first half. He had a couple good starts towards the end. He looked good when he in his two appearances out of the bullpen, but he also struck out over 10 batters per nine innings, so that was a big positive while walking only about three per nine. Even though his ERA wasn't where you wanted up at around 5.1, his his fielding independent pitching was good. The Some of the, the underlying numbers were there for Lynn Bloom, where I think he can build off of that and be a solid member of the rotation next year. Uh, so I gave him a C plus, even though, yeah, maybe the results weren't quite there. I thought there were a lot of positives to draw from Lindblom's season. Yeah, I think Brewer fans can be optimistic for Lindblom um, next year with some of those underlying stats, like you mentioned, and the higher strikeout rates than expected as well. So, yeah, Brewer's looking forward to Lindblom in 2021. Uh, another arm that they're looking forward to uh, out of the bullpen, uh, I think we can finally end the debate 
uh, whether Freddie Peralta should be in the starting rotation or the bullpen. I think it's finally... I think maybe move Josh Hader back to the rotation. <laughs> that, that that's was, a bait. That's right, a bait. right. Yeah, yeah, we did have that debate until for a while. He won, he, it, it took him winning NL reliever of the year until oh, that, that yeah. debate was finally yeah, closed. Yeah, I think we should move Devin Williams to the rotation too then while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, .33 ERA over right. 200 innings. Right, I'd yeah, that's that. true. Basically Bob Gibson, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but uh, Peralta, yes, we did have that conversation. It's even funny to think that we had that conversation still in, in 2020. It feels like a while ago. Feels like he's been in the bullpen for a long time since he's been back and forth uh, over the past two years. But Peralta flourished in the bullpen. Uh, he did, did have a few inconsistent outings out of the bullpen. Um, where did you have Peralta ranking for 2020? I gave him an A minus. He wasn't he wasn't like outstanding as a whole. He threw 29 in the third innings, including uh, one start. So he did actually make a start this year still. But at the same time. Uh, he, his strikeout numbers were excellent, and once he moved to the bullpen, 3.08 ERA, but he had one bad outing that kind of ruined his ERA. Uh, that's kind of one of the things you get, especially in a shortened season with relief pitchers. Um, so 15 Ks per nine is a reliever um, that we're looking at if you exclude his one start. I mean, he's a guy who I think is a lockdown reliever going forward. Yeah, and one thing to note, too, is that Peralta was actually second on the Brewers as far as bullpen wins above replacement as well. Um, and I know wins above replacement isn't everything, uh, but still, uh, Devin Williams at number one with 1.4. Uh, and by the way, this is F4. Uh, Devin Williams with 1.4, and Freddie Peralta at 0.8 with the, the next reliever, uh, 0.3. So Peralta was very good out of the bullpen. He had a few inconsistent mm-hmm. showings, but overall, like you said, dominated, and strikeout numbers were very strong again uh, with that good fastball that Freddie has. Mm-hmm. Not to mention he was 10th in the majors in F4 among relief pitchers. Right. Yeah, that's no, that's that's an accomplishment by Peralta and something that the Brewers fans will be looking forward to next year. Another Brewers swingman reliever uh, from the left side, uh, Brent Suter, uh, kind of playing a similar role that Peralta played in the bullpen and also having a solid year um, as it seems to be cemented that Suter will stay in the bullpen uh, this coming after uh, his 2019 uh, September run where he was lights out in the bullpen uh, led the Brewers to put him back in there this year and seems like he will be a mainstay in the bullpen. Uh, Suter having a very good year. Uh, did did Suter achieve that A A grade for you or where, where where did you have Suter? I gave him a B plus. So I I gave him uh, just a hair below that A grade. He had a couple bad outings at the end that caused me to give him a B plus, but he overall really excelled in the bullpen. Um, kind of noticing the common theme, but there were a lot of positives from the pitching staff this year. They kind of kept them in. Uh, they finished 29-31 and 31 with one of the worst offenses in baseball. Uh, he struck out over 10 batters per nine, which is exceptional for a guy who throws, what, 86-87. Right. Uh, limited the walks a lot. So Suter's a guy who I see going forward as that one of those those bridge guys who kind of will get you from the starter to the back end of the bullpen, maybe pitching 6-7 inning, a uh, couple innings in, in an appearance. Uh, and Suter, I thought, had a very good year. He also uh, limited the hard contact. His average exit velocity against him was 84.5. Uh, so Devin Williams was the only guy who pitched uh, a significant amount of time who had a, a lower mark there. Yeah, Suter was excellent. Uh, of course, game one start against the Dodgers was really his worst outing. and couldn't have come at a worse time. So that was unfortunate for him. Of course, there's more waiting on that game, given that it's uh, the playoff game and game one of the series against the best team in baseball. Uh, but yeah, Suter looked really good. A, a lot of positives from him, um, and 
should be a mainstay in the bullpen uh, for the next couple of years as uh, the Brewers have control for him for a couple of years. Uh, biggest surprise of this year, definitely the uh, rookie reliever Devin Williams, who uh, topped the charts among a lot of the stats in baseball for relievers, uh, but really came onto the scene. Couldn't have been better at all. Unfortunately, uh, of course, Williams not able to pitch in the Dodgers series. Whether that may, would have made a difference, probably not. But uh, Williams was outstanding uh, in his rookie season at, at age 25 uh, with 1.4 wins above replacement, as well as probably the best changeup in the game this year. So I, I, I have to say, Devin Williams, I think I can pick the grade for you on this one. I'm, I'm going to guess that you probably went with an A-plus for Williams. That's correct, and I don't really know how you could not give him an A-plus when he was yeah, the best reliever in baseball, uh, to put it simply. And he was a guy who you didn't really have high expectations for. You thought maybe he'll fill in a kind of a middle reliever role, uh, but he, he did far more than that. He, he allowed one earned run all year, had tied for the highest strikeout rate among all relievers. Um, his ERA was the best among all relievers, also uh, minimum, I think, about 20 innings. Uh, he, he was a guy, oh, actually, not even, but he, yeah, he had a .33 ERA, led the league in fielding independent pitching as well, so the, uh, the underlying numbers were there. Everything was there for Devin Williams. He had about the best season a reliever could possibly have, A-plus for Devin Williams. Yeah, outstanding. And one thing I want to bring up, too, is that uh, kind of an, a, an applause for Council and the rest of the Brewers' management. Uh, for giving Williams the chance uh, to get in those big opportunities pretty quickly uh, because, of course, it was a shortened season. And like you said, I, I know expectations were not very high for him this year, maybe just a middle reliever uh, type, of, type, of, type of arm. Maybe the Brewers saw more in him going into the season and were expecting a better year from him. But I will say that Council did put him in some big spots and let him get into those late innings pretty quickly after he pitched well. Uh, so I will applaud Council for giving him the chance to do that. Um, not all managers would do that with a rookie reliever, but Williams really flourished this year. And like you said, um, no doubt, uh, really, uh, best reliever in baseball and um, should definitely win reliever of the year. And hopefully, we'll get to this in the awards a little bit later, but hopefully uh, Williams could even be the NL rookie of the year as well. Another outstanding arm for the Brewers this year, Brandon Woodruff. Um, Really high, pretty high expectations for Woodruff going into the year, uh, but for the most part, Woodruff did meet those expectations. Had a few shaky starts uh, during the middle of the season, but uh, did look good over the rest of the year, and uh, Brewers expecting Woodruff to be uh, top of the rotation guy for a while. Uh, what, what was your grade for Brandon Woodruff? I gave Woodruff an A-. I thought that he, even though he did have some shaky starts, he overall turned in a very solid year. 3.05 ERA. Um, across 13 starts, which I think tied for the league lead, uh, 11 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he was he was a, a very good pitcher, and of course he came up with the the biggest outing of the year that eight inning, no run performance against the Cardinals that saved their season on on the last Saturday of the year, the second last game of the season. Um, and he even in the in the the wild card round in game two, he looked really good until that fifth inning that almost was kind of out of his control. Um, you had that that pick that should have been made, I thought, by Jerko. You had um, the call that, right. even though it was technically a ball, I thought it should have been called a strike on Barnes. So yeah, you know, a couple things go well, their even, way, and that's a, that's a different that's a different even game. Even the Bellinger single, the check, the half swing on the changeup, and the and the Chris Taylor ground ball that snuck through the infield. I mean, it, it was it, it was just an, an unfortunate inning. I, I don't want to just 
say that Woodruff had nothing to do or he couldn't have done anything because, of course, there's always things he can do. Um, so it's not completely out of his control. But with that being said, he didn't exactly get hit around by the Dodgers. And by the way, he was absolutely dominating that the best lineup in baseball uh, through four innings at that point. It was a very fun game to watch up until that point. Tough to watch that fifth inning as a Brewers fan. But nonetheless, Woodruff, very good year. And you did mention that eight inning start against the Cardinals. Uh, that's uh, we talked a little bit before the game, and, and we were saying what this is this is the start Woodruff needs to step up. Um, as you know, of course Burns did have a good year, but I think right now Woodruff is still their ace, and so yeah, Agreed. so being that ace, like th- those are the games that you need to step up, and that's exactly what Woodruff did, and, and I totally agree with the A minus grade for Woodruff this year. I almost would say, and I I don't know if this makes sense, but Burns was their best starting pitcher. Woodruff was their ace. Woodruff was the guy that they that they really needed to ride on, um, the guy who could give them a lot of innings, um, who was their workhorse. Right. Even though maybe Burns' stats were better, right? Um, I thought that Woodruff was was the the guy, the ace. If you in a big game, you want Woodruff on yeah. the mound. And I see that I see that continuing on in 2021. Even if Burns is able to have a a, a similar year, maybe not nearly as good, uh, but even if he does have a good year. Uh, the stuff is is there, but I think Woodruff is still their guy and their go-to arm in the rotation going forward. So uh, our last grade of the year, uh, Eric Yardley, right-handed, uh, unorthodox right-handed reliever out of the pen, had a had a very good year. Uh, Where did you have Yardley ranked this year? I gave Yardley an A. I think this is uh, kind of based off of the expectations that he had of being a waiver claim, a guy who uh, worked worked his way up. He started at the lowest level of professional baseball in the Picos League, um, which I would guess none of our listeners have heard of, uh, maybe one or two. But that that's really the lowest level of independent league baseball. Got signed by the Padres and worked his way up. Uh, the Brewers claimed him off waivers, kind of expecting maybe he can give us some middle relief innings. And that's what he did, but he did him exceptionally well. 1.54 ERA. I don't care that the underlying stats weren't as, well, weren't as good as you may have hoped, especially considering that he's a sidearm guy, submarine um, arm slot. Those guys usually limit the, the hard contact. Uh, so you're not going to have those those big strikeout numbers or walk number like the low walk rates. Um, you're going to see a guy who gets a lot of weak contact, and that's what he did. So I gave Yardley an A. He was a, a vital part to the bullpen. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, based on expectations, like you said, he was outstanding and may have not uh, may not have pitched in the same situations that Williams and Hader did. He was outstanding this year, and I'm sure the Brewers will be happy to bring back Yardley as a consistent middle reliever, uh, even if he does regress some next year. Just a couple names uh, that were incomplete. Phil Bickford, Ray Black, J.P. Fireice, and Justin Grimm, Eric Lauer, Corey Knebel, Angel Perdomo, David Phelps, Drew Rasmussen, Justin Topa, and Bobby Wall. Uh, all really didn't have enough uh, sample size this year to really give them much of a grade. Of those guys, um, you know, mo- uh, really all of them being um, relief pitchers, maybe minus Eric Lauer. Uh, but of those bullpen arms, uh, any of those guys that you're especially looking forward to for next year as far as uh, highest expectations? Uh, of course, taking out Phelps, who was traded at the deadline. I'd say Justin Topa, actually, maybe even over Rasmussen. I thought Topa looked really good in the, the seven innings that he got. Uh, Rasmussen pitched about twice as much as Topa did, uh, but he didn't look quite as good. But I, I do think that he will be a valuable reliever for the Brewers going forward. And even guys like Bickford, Black, uh, Perdomo, and Wall are guys that they could have for a number of years as some, some bullpen depth. 
Um, Corey Knable, I think, will be interesting to see. I really hope that they tender him a contract, but it is possible if because their revenue was way down that they non-tender him. This is his last year of arbitration. He could get uh, a little bit more in arbitration that they're willing to pay uh, for a relief pitcher at this point, especially with a lot of other options there. And he did have a bad year this year, although I do think that especially after he came back from the injured list stint, he looked good. And I think that he's a guy who um, who we can expect uh, to be, I'd say, a, a very valuable reliever next year. Uh, Eric Lauer is a guy I think still could get a shot in the rotation, and I, I, should, I would give it to him. I mean, how much can you draw from, was it about 13 innings? Right, um, right. Not not too much, uh, and so those the, a lot of these are guys that we'll probably be seeing uh, around yeah. for the next couple of years, um, outside of uh, outside of Phelps, Justin Grimm, and right. David Phelps. Right. And, and and I do it does speak to the Brewers bullpen depth, um, like you said with Knable, the possibility of Knable not returning. Uh, I, I I feel very confident the Brewers are going to continue to have a solid bullpen for the next couple of years. Um, we talked about we've touched on this briefly before, but. Brewers really have been spoiled with a good bullpen um, dating back for a while now, and I don't see any reason for that to change anytime soon, of course, with Devin Williams' year this year, Josh Hader still there, um, and then uh, some of those guys, like you said, Rasmussen and Topa, um, who maybe might not be you know relievers of the year, but still, I think, can be very solid relievers, uh, and guys I look forward to see develop uh, for the Brewers. Yeah, now that we kind of have wrapped up our grades for pitchers, and with the pitching staff being the bigger um, the bigger spot, we're going to see more pitching awards. Um, so we're, we just decided that we're going to go ahead and reveal all of our awards. We'll each have um, separate picks for the awards, although I'm sure in some instances they will be the same. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. Newcomer of the year is the first one. So that is any player who um, is in his first year with the Brewers, um, excluding a rookie. So so Devin Williams. Um, does not count in this case because he's not a newcomer um, to the organization. Uh, so do you want to get ahead, go ahead and get started with your pick for newcomer of the year, Peter? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So my newcomer of the year for the Brewers this year have to be first baseman Jed Jerko, or first baseman and third baseman Jerko. Uh, expectations were for him to you know fill a bit of a role potentially in a platoon and exceeded expectations and was really one of the best offensive bats the Brewers had this year. Um, when you take a look at fan graphs, uh, wins above replacement, he's up there with Yelich, Arcia, and Garcia for the for that top spot, as well as the highest weighted runs created, plus uh, if you exclude Vogelbach, who had a very small uh, showing with the Brewers. So Jerko was a very valuable bat uh, and much, much needed. Uh, I'm sure the Brewers didn't expect to need his bat as much as they did this year, um, but he was, he was crucial to uh, the offense this year, and he would be my pick for Brewers Newcomer of the Year. Yeah, I chose Jerko as well. Um, I thought you could have made an interesting case. Obviously, El Garcia, I think, would have had a much better offensive year had he not had to adjust to center field with Lorenzo Cain opting out of the year. Daniel Vogelbach also would have been an interesting pick for that. He hit 328, 418 on base, 569 slugging, but only in half the amount of plate appearances that Jed Jerko played. So I thought that you really, uh, it made more sense to give it to Jerko. And it'll be interesting to see if the Brewers bring back Jerko, $4.5 million option. Um, that they have on him with a million dollar buyout. I would definitely be in favor of them bringing back Jerko at that cost. Uh, but we, I don't know, because we saw them not, uh, get rid of Eric Thames last year um, when he would have only been making about five and a half, six and a half million. And they might have to be a little bit lower in the budget this year um, with some some revenue losses uh, from not having fans. So um, I, th I think that they, they should It'd be the right move. But of course, uh, Stearns 
Stearns will make that decision in the coming weeks and we'll be able to see that. Second award that we have is Comeback Player of the Year. So this is a guy who maybe had a down year last year and was able to bounce back and have a, a very good year this year. So um, I'll actually go, go ahead with my, my pick. I think this one's pretty obvious. Corbin Burns was one of the worst pitchers in baseball last year and one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. I, I, I don't think there's really much more to explain than yeah, that. Yeah, I had a couple options uh, for like the exact opposite where I was like, Keston Hira, who had a really good year last year, bad year this year. Christian Yelich could have fallen under that category. Uh, even Adrian Hauser. So I, I had a lot of the the reverse comeback of the year for the Brewers. But, of course, yeah, Corbin Burns, no-brainer. I do always have to kind of laugh at this award because it's almost like <laughs> you almost get awarded for playing really poorly last year. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like if Brandon Woodruff was as bad as... Uh, as Burns was last year, you know, we'd be having the conversation of, you know, should it be Burns or should it be Woodruff or, you know, it's kind of funny that, that, uh, um, that's kind of how the award works. Uh, but no doubt here, no questions asked really. That's, it's clearly Corbin Burns for the comeback player of the year. Yeah. So we got reliever of the year coming up, uh, now Devin Williams, I assume is your yeah. choice. Uh, Devin Williams is my choice. We discussed Williams earlier. Um, best reliever in baseball. Yeah, hands, hands down. Yeah, so so he's clearly the reliever, best reliever on the team. Although there were other guys, Freddie Peralta, Josh Hader, Eric Yardley, like we mentioned, that had outstanding years. Brent Suter even. Uh, rookie of the year, again, fairly straightforward. Yep. Um, I don't think that Drew Rasmussen is challenging um, is challenging Devin Williams. Maybe Mark Mathias Tyrone might Taylor. be up there. Yeah, uh, but clearly Devin yeah. Williams again, and he—he's—I think that he's a front runner for NL Rookie of the Year. Um, Jake Cronenworth, Tony Tony Gonsolin, also options of the Padres and Dodgers, respectively. Yeah, I think if Williams uh, had—he had such a strong showing out of the bullpen. I mean, like we like we said, best reliever in baseball, and I mean it's hard to compare you know this year to other years. But, I mean, if you have a reliever who dominated as much as Williams did, it's hard to think that he wouldn't win Rookie of the Year. Um, you, you even mentioned previously to me, I think this was off the podcast, but, you know, if Williams doesn't win Rookie of the Year this year, then then can a reliever really ever win the Rookie of the Year? Right. It's been 10 years since we saw it. Niftali Feliz in 2010, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't look that up, uh, but in my, my uh, limited baseball yeah, yeah, knowledge... Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was Nefali Feliz in 2010 with the Rangers, and he led the majors in right. saves, I think, that year. That was the year the Rangers went to the World Series. That's probably the uh, only the first that, of two years. that the writers really looked at, right, back in 2010. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, so much has changed. Yeah. Um, but we have Cy Young uh, for um, for the Brewers. This one, I think, is interesting. Uh, who did you go with Cy Young? Yeah, this was an interesting one. Uh, we talked about how good Devin Williams was. Brandon Woodruff had a very good year. Uh, some very good arms in the bullpen. I ended up going with Corbin Burns. Uh, outstanding year. Uh, again, we, we talked about him a lot already. Uh, but Burns was outstanding. And, and he was the guy that I would choose for the Brewers Cy Young this year. That's interesting. I actually went with Devin Williams. And, I mean, even though Williams did have half the amount of innings that Burns did, a lot of Williams came in high lever leverage situations. Um, he was, I thought, the guy that really was able to protect the leads um, and, and get some of those wins, even though his wins above replacement number was only at 1.4. I think that he was more valuable to the team uh, than that than that mark would suggest. I, I think you can't go wrong with either of those guys, Burns or Williams. Both had outstanding years. It's really just, you know, how do you value a starter versus a reliever? And I think that determines uh, your, your pick on, on that. Both Burns and Williams had outstanding years. 
on the hill. Um, but yeah, I think I think you could go either way on that. Okay. So uh, our final award, it, most anticipated of them, uh, the most valuable player. Uh, who did you have for that, David? Justin Smoke. Uh, really, um, I was I was gonna go know, Narvaez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> negative point five wins above replacement. Uh, he was definitely up there. Maybe more valuable when they had Vogelbach uh, take his place. That might have been his most valuable moment of the season. Uh, but I went with Devin Williams for this one also. Um, you don't really ever see a relief pitcher win an MVP. And I know this is just a team MVP. Uh, but Williams was the best at what he did in baseball. Um, and even though Burns was probably a top 10 starting pitcher in all of baseball, Woodruff was excellent. You're really going to look at pitchers for this for the Brewers this year. Uh, none of the none of the position players really excelled right. uh, like you would have hoped. Um, so I went with Williams. We've talked about Williams <laughs> a lot in this podcast. We don't really need to talk about him uh, more. Although he does deserve really all the recognition yeah. um, that we've been giving him. Uh, who was your pick for MVP, Peter? You know, I, I, of course, it'd be hypocritical of me if I said uh, that Burns was the Cy Young over Williams. Um, and not the MVP as well. So I did go with Corbin Burns with the MVP. But again, I, I think you can't you couldn't go wrong with either of them. Um, I almost feel like uh, Burns was the MVP, but Devin Williams was you know their best pitcher. Uh, this whole the whole debate of you know valuable player <laughs> versus interesting because I actually would say the, the the opposite. I'd say Burns maybe his statistics were the best, but Williams was more valuable to the sure. team. I, I, I yeah I, I hear you. No, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I, I hear so, that side of things too. Yeah. Um, but as far as as far as MVP yeah, and, and Cy Young, I, I would go with Burns. And also interesting that you say that because actually the Brewers uh, section of the Baseball Writers Association of America um, voted Devin Williams MVP and Corbin Burns Cy Young. Interesting. Uh, so you said that you were you said that you were trying to avoid right. that, um, but it's interesting. And of course, it's not one person yeah. picking them. Um, but at the same time, Somebody, I mean, there clearly right. had to be, had to have been some crossover. <laughs> yeah, there. that is that is kind mm-hmm. of peculiar to me. If if you're gonna say you know who's the best, the way I look at it is who's a who's a Brewers best pitcher. That's the Cy Young Award. Who's the best position player generally to to, to generalize the award. Uh, so to me, if 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 we have to pick a pitcher, they should align with the Cy Young and MVP uh, for the Brewers this year, of course, with their offense being so abysmal this year. And going into the uh, the last part. Um or before our last couple segments, just talk about briefly what's going on around baseball. We're coming up on the championship series. Um, so we have Dodgers, Braves, and uh, Rays Astros. 99% of the uh, baseball world is rooting for the Rays yep. here. Um, the 29 and 31 Astros are in the ALCS. Uh, so really the Brewers could be in the NLCS right now. Um, they were 29 yep, and 31 also. Um, of course, Astros are a better team though. It's debatable. Um, and we can, we were not going to go into all the, <laughs> all the sign stealing. Um, uh, stuff that everybody's been loves to talk about, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for Rays versus Braves. Dodgers are a better team, I think, in the in the NL, and I do think the Rays are a much better team in the American League. Uh, it will be interesting though. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching those series. I'd recommend the, the Rays have an outstanding pitching staff. Brett Phillips is also on that Rays team. Uh, G-Man Choi, another former Brewer who was traded right after he hit a grand slam. Uh, of course, the Dodgers being the team um, that defeated the Brewers. Um, and the Braves have an interesting team. Great offense and some young pitching. Max Fried and Ian Anderson, yeah. both guys to watch. Kyle Wright uh, pitched well um, in the series clinching game. Um, so I, I definitely watch those games if you get the chance. And that Mike Brasso home run against Chapman was excellent. Non-drafted free agent. Uh, 
hitting a home run off of one of the best relievers in the last 20 years. Yeah, I believe it was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball on a 3-2 count, eighth pitch of the at-bat I, I saw. So, yeah, exciting. I think 10th, actually. Tenth, okay, yeah, 10th pitch of the at-bat. Um, but, yeah, huge home run, good baseball moments. And, yeah, you you talk about rooting for the Rays. I, I don't even care who wins who wins the World Series. I just don't want to see the Astros in the back in the World Series uh, or even winning mm-hmm. it for that matter. I almost... I kind of want to see Kershaw win a World Series. That's the thing with the, the with the National League. I don't want to see the Dodgers lose in the World Series. I'd rather see Braves yeah. if they're going to lose. I'd probably choose Rays than Braves than Dodgers would be my preference um, to win. But uh, but yeah. And uh, moving moving forward again, we have our random player of the day. Um, today's is Wes Helms. Uh, some of you may remember Wes Helms. Uh, he played for the Brewers between 2003 and 2005, uh, but maybe his biggest moment as a Brewer was hitting a, a big home run for the Marlins in 2008, which defeated the Mets. Um, that allowed the Brewers to get into the postseason. Um, so I, I remember it. I was very young, but I remember watching TV, and uh, we were kind of waiting to see if the Marlins were going to beat the Mets, um, and they were able to thanks to Wes Helms' home run in the eighth inning. Yeah, and then that, that deep fly ball at the end of the game that Cameron Mabin caught, um, of course, being the big moment. Um, and that, I mean, that was a Brewers' first postseason uh, berth in 26 years. Uh, so even though Wes Helms did have a few years, he was solid in 03. Um, he was at a 103 OPS plus, meaning he was a little bit above average um, playing some uh, corner infield. And he's also the nephew of Tommy Helms, I found out. He was a, a pretty good player for the Reds back in the, the 60s. Um, and into the 70s. Yeah, I do remember the name, uh, Tommy Helms. And yeah, you mentioned that 08 scenario with uh, the the Marlins uh, game. I do remember. I can still picture Cameron Maben catching that deep fly out and the Brewers going crazy. Uh, good Brewers memory. And yeah, I, it, it's funny the difference between 2008 Brewers and now and the expectations that fans have. Because, I mean, we were just like absolutely thrilled that the Brewers actually made it to the playoffs. Um, and then this year, you know, expectations are just so different. Uh, given the Brewers' past 10, 12 years uh, compared to, you know, the 10 or 12 years preceding 2008. So, yeah, Wes Helms, there's your random player of the day for your Brewer fans. Um, And uh, to answer our trivia question, uh, here, let's see if David's had time to think. Had a longer episode today, so you you really have no Mm -hmm. excuse to get this one. I kind of feel like you're going to pull this one off. Uh, Who was the last Brewers player to don the number 64? Mike Fires. That would be correct. Mike Fires. I I I was a little bit hesitant because he I think he switched to number fifty before the twenty thirteen season um, or twenty fourteen. Yeah, before season. the twenty fourteen. Um, so I, I wasn't exactly sure if they hadn't used sixty four since then. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, he was he was kind of my my gut reaction was Mike Fires on that. Um, so who are the other guys to wear number sixty four? Are there any? Yeah, Fires actually only Brewer to to wear the number sixty four. Uh, plenty of those upper digits still have been unclaimed by anyone, uh, but fires, yeah, only only Brewers to player at sixty four. I, I thought about going with Takahito Nomura with number ninety five, but I knew that was going to be too easy for you, so I didn't want to yeah. want to pull that one out. Yeah, I would have gotten that one, but I don't think most of our listeners would have. There are some good good Brewer names if you go towards the uh, the top of the um, the list num- when you get into numbers between like sixty and and ninety. Um, the more actually, I think the the only one in the yeah. '90s, um, in Brewers history. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of a baseball nerd geeking out about uniform number history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but anyways, uh, really to, to recap today, um, we have all of our our pitchers' grades. Of course, I'm not going to repeat all those now. Uh, but 
went through our, our pitchers grades today. Next episode, uh, we will be covering all of our position players. It may not be as friendly as this one or as upbeat, um, but we'll cover all the position player grades. Uh, of course, we'll have our typical segments um, and as well as cover the, the MLB playoffs. So um, Astros taking on the Rays in the ALCS and the Braves taking on the Dodgers uh, to see who will make it to the World Series this year. So should be uh, an exciting uh, last couple of series in the playoffs. Any thoughts from you, David, before we head out today? No, I, I thought it was fun to talk about the pitchers, um, and I think next week should be equally as interesting, if not maybe yeah, quite as, as uh, optimistic as, as this one was. Absolutely. Well, as we head out, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.